I'm Derek Jensen. This is Resistance Radio on the Progressive Radio Network. My guests today are Lear Keith and Melinda Hughes. Lear Keith has been a radical feminist for 40 years. She's the author of seven books, including The Vegetarian Myth, Food, Justice, and Sustainability, which has been called the most important ecological book of this generation. She's co-author with me and Max, Max Wilbert of Bright Green Lies, How the Environmental Movement Lost Its Way, and What We Can Do About It. She lives in Northern California with giant trees and giant dogs. She's also been arrested six times for acts of political resistance. Melinda Hughes is a lifelong leftist and activist. She's a volunteer with Women's Declaration International USA and is committed to the struggle to win or win back women's sex-based rights. So first off, thank you for your work in the world. And second, thank you for being in the program. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's, you're very welcome. So tell me what happened recently in Portland. Do you want me to give background, Melinda, and then I can turn it over to you? Sure. Okay. That sounds so great. About the last year, just about a year, we have, we being Women's Declaration USA is the main organizer of this. Um, and I um, am not one of the main organizers, but I am the main trainer. So what we've been doing is nonviolent direct action trainings. So we've been going around the country and taking a weekend to explain this technique to interested women. Um, historically how it's been used, most especially in the second half of the 20th century, where I think the use of this technique really accelerated and a lot of theory was written about it, particularly by Gene Sharp, who was absolutely the foremost theorist of nonviolent direct action. He died a few years ago, but his books still remain and they're well worth reading if you are any kind of an activist. So a lot of people, uh, you know, the word was spread essentially, you know, across the globe that this was an incredibly elegant political technique. And it was especially useful for people who had no money, no power, no media, um, no institutions on their side, really nothing except their own courage because anybody can do it. You just need to be courageous. You also need to be smart and have some sense of, you know, what might be appropriate strategy, you know, for, for your exact situation. You're not guaranteed a win here. But it is a very, very elegant technique. And people in my lifetime, millions of people have made the world a better place by using this. So our goal was to go around and try to teach women, you know, the basics of this technique, just in order that we could discuss it. Uh, because I, what I feel like is the this whole thing about, you know, gender ideology, how they've sort of taken over the culture in the last decade. Um, a lot of women don't realize how bad it is and how much violence we are up against when we try to um, you know, present any alternative, um, any kind of resistance to the loss of women's rights, we are met with some absolutely insane levels of violence at times. So I want women to be prepared for that. And, and as a movement, I wanted us to at least discuss what our options are in terms of confronting this in a way that is um, useful to the movement in a way that would be productive. So we've been going around the country. We've done a whole bunch of these where we train everybody who's interested. Um, we're very clear. You don't have to come to the action if you don't want to, but just to learn about the technique and who's used it and how, and what is really the dynamics of it? How does it work? And then we plan an action. So, you know, we give them these tools and then we, we go out into the wild and we try it. So we spend then the second part of the training 
talking about what we might do on on Monday, perhaps, and then we do it. So whoever wants to come and try this is encouraged to come. Whoever doesn't want to come, uh, we are very, very clear that you do not have to do this because we have faced some rather scary levels of violence. So before you go any further, could could one or both of you talk about um, what give specifics? What 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 do you mean by civil disobedient nonviolent action? And and then also, what do you mean by gender ideology and the loss of women's rights? So get get pretty basic about both of those. Okay. Um, so when we talk about gender ideology and the loss of women's rights, um, we're talking about males claiming to be women and invading women's spaces. And um, the um, the most uh, foremost kind of representation of this is they just want to pee um, males who identify as, claim as, pose as women, um, believe that they should have a right to um, use women's bathrooms. Um, <clears throat> and that's pretty unreasonable on its face, but a lot of people, you know, kind of signed up for that. Um, and now fast forward sort of five, 10 years after this really has gotten swinging and and we we just see wholesale um, complete. Um, it's been it's been complete in that um, men male rapists and murderers are now uh, being incarcerated with women in women's prisons. Once once they started with these little you know oh poor us we need to you know we need to be in your bathrooms for our own protection stuff. Um, the door was open and now they are in every single space, sports um, and, you know, prisons and women's locker rooms and dressing rooms. So we talked about gender. Um, and rape rape I, crisis centers. Rape crisis centers. Right. We talked about gender. So a, woman, a woman could be could be raped and then she calls the women's rape crisis center and uh, will be forced to talk to a man. Or another example is. A uh, woman could be battered, and then she goes to the battered women's shelter, and she is housed with a man. And there have been cases where women have been sexually assaulted, or physically and/or physically assaulted in battered women's shelters by men who identify as women. In fact, there was one that was murdered in New York City. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Murdered and dismembered. There was one that was horrible. Yeah, murdered and dismembered. And now the guy who did it, who this is the third woman that sure. he has murdered over his lifetime is in a women's prison in new york state like that's how insane this all is now and it's it's hard to talk about because people don't even believe you you know it's 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 so difficult to even believe that um we have a hard time you know part of getting the message out is that getting people up to speed it just seems so phenomenal like so bizarre that it, it they they have a hard time even understanding that this is happening um I mean, the good news is that once mo people really grok it, they they of course are against it. Who wouldn't be? I mean, it's horrible. It's horrific. Yeah, and um, polling, there's been polling, and it's always on our side. And nobody thinks that men should be in women's prisons. I mean, almost yeah. nobody thinks that they should be in women's sports. It's a very small minority of people who actually want to go along with this. Most people still have common sense. They can see that men are bigger and stronger. Mm -hmm. They know who's committing the violence, and they know that women need some basic protection in order to be safe in the world. So it's not a hard sell. We just have to get, if like Kara Dansky always says, if they can hear our side, we win. Um, so it's really yeah. just a question of getting 
the actual situation, the facts of the situation in front of the public, um, because they really are on our side about this. I would disagree yep. with one thing. You said that nobody really thinks that men should be in women's sports, and I would exclude writers for ESPN, yeah. MSNBC, <laughs> Democracy Now!, yeah. um, the main CNN, NBC. The legacy media and the left-leaning media just refuse to handle this as a serious issue, or if they handle it at all, it, we get no... Yes. We get no press on that side. This is a huge, a huge battle still is to break through that barrier. So one of the reasons that we're doing these actions is to to try to press the issue. Mm -hmm. OK, so so tell me about what you mean by non is, Does it mean does that mean standing, holding a sign? What is, what what is the history? What are the classic examples of this? So standing and holding a sign is not necessarily doing nonviolent direct action. Um, normally in the kind of Western democracy that we supposedly live in, just standing there and holding a sign should not be controversial. Um, we long ago won those rights in our country that we, it's called the first amendment and it's first for a reason. You have a right to assemble. You have a right to, to say your mind. You have a right to your opinions, um, without government interference and you have a right to petition your government with your grievances. So long since we have won these rights. It should not be controversial to stand there with a sign expressing yourself. And I don't care what that sign says. You have a right to stand there and do that. Just but yesterday, you saw <laughs> My favorite guy. <laughs> Just yesterday, she saw a guy holding a sign that said abortion is murder or something. And, and she... She, I have a very hard time not flipping him off. Let's just put it that way. And so the point is, but he has the he has an absolute right, and I would never take away his right to do that. And you would never assault him. I would, of course, I would never assault right. him. Of course, you don't assault people because they disagree with you. You have to work it out. Because if we if we don't work it out using our words, what are we left with? But I can tell you what we're left with. You know, we're going to go back to the mafia days. Um, you know, petty warlords and whoever has the biggest nastiest sociopathic male relatives is going to win. And I don't want that world back. You know, we were supposed to have made yeah. some progress here. Um, anyway, so we're supposed to have this right to, to free speech, for instance. So yes, standing with a sign should not be a direct confrontation with power because we've already won it. And the problem is now it is a direct confrontation with power because every time women do this, we get beat up. We have our lives. Yeah. We have our tires slashed. They spray pepper spray in our eyes. They hit us with things. Uh, they run us over with bicycles. They scream and they yell. They cancel every single venue that we might try to um, to rent. And break your hand. They, yes, April Morrow got her hand broken on purpose. They do horrible things to us. That's a permanent injury that she has sustained. Um, so we are doing a direct confrontation with power. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. And the left needs to take a good hard look at itself right now that this has been allowed to happen over the last decade, and especially because it's men hurting women. So you right away, you've got people who are much bigger and stronger pounding on the people who are smaller and weaker. And I thought on the left that that was just so basic, the kind of thing we were against. And apparently I'm wrong. So because here we are, and uh, you know, there's a huge section of the left that thinks that this is perfectly okay. If if they believe that it's even happening, because we've always got these two levels going on. And the first level is always, oh, that's not true. That's just a right wing trope. That's always, that's just a right wing conspiracy theory. It's like, I've seen this. I've been there. I've been the one that was hit. This is absolutely happening. And then they'll flip on you and say, well, but of course, you know, you're a Nazi, so you deserve it. 
That's like absolutely the next argument is just, yeah. you're, you're, you know, a bigot of some kind and you deserve this. So they monster you. And then they say, well, it, it, it's happening for a reason. So what were you wearing, little girl? You, you had it coming. Yeah. So yeah. Melinda, you can jump in here. Sure. <laughs> I wanted to just throw Fine. in age on that because <clears throat> um, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, there's lots of taboos against men hitting women and actually about public violence in general that these guys are willing to break. Um, but I also, I think it's striking because so many of us involved, it's, there's younger and younger women, but so many of us, of us involved are kind of old, uh, older second wave feminist. You know, we have women out there in their sixties and fifties and sixties and seventies getting hit by young guys. You know, there's no compunction here whatsoever. Um, the only, I mean, the good news in that is that that's how threatening to them our message is that they're so worried uh, that people are going to see some other ordinary people say hey you know women don't have penises you know it's okay to say that that the whole edifice will come crumbling down and that's why they have to come out with such um such strenuous violence and um work to shut us down so, like every single time we get out there yeah because like kara says if we can be heard we win so they're yeah. doing everything in their power to shut us up because there's yeah. not a person on the planet, honestly, who does not know the difference between men and women. We all know who's a man and who's a woman. So I, I fear that we have buried the lead here. Yeah. Okay. So you want to hear. Well, I'll start. So we were going okay. to do more trainings um, and we had uh, a few months ago picked Portland as a place to, to do the next one. So we, you know, put out the word that we were going to do the training and we rented a room at the library. We were going to have a basic event that is about the most American thing you could imagine. We rented a room in a library to have some talks. And the theme of the day was protecting women and children, about which all of us have a lot to say, because like Melinda has pointed out, we're mostly second wave feminists. And this is, you know, what has motivated the activism that we've done our whole lives is trying to make the world better for women and children. So we have a lot to say about this and we have a right to say it. We rented the room in the library. That's all fine. Um, and then the first sign of trouble was uh, the week before the our local organizer, Sam, got a call from the security people of, of the county, not the library particularly, but the whole county is in charge of the security for that, you know, that area. And the they were worried because they had seen some of the threats against us online and they wanted to make sure we were aware of it. And they wanted to ask us, you know, what could they do so, to support us, which was really nice. They didn't try to cancel our event. And we said, OK, yeah, we've seen it and we intend to continue. So we all got to Portland. Some people live there, of course, about, I don't know, maybe half the women live there and the rest of us sort of live in the region. So we all went to Portland. And then um, the first night, um, uh, we got another call. Oh, sorry, Saturday morning, we got another call from the security people. There was um, somebody who is a mandated reporter uh, received a threat from one of his clients that this young man had a gun and he was going to come to our event. And in his words, if anybody, quote, messed with him, he was going to use it. So now we have gun violence. So, and this mandated reporter felt this was strong enough that he did indeed have to report. So he did. We appreciate that. That's how the law is supposed to work. Uh, we were told about this and we said, we are going to continue with our event. We will not be dissuaded by bullies. So then then Saturday night after the training, after training uh, sometime in the night, our tires were slashed. They knew where we were staying and they came over in the night and they slashed all the tires that were in the driveway. So we woke up to flat tires. 
Um, so that wasn't any fun. But again, uh, we refused to give in to bullies and we were going to go on with what we were doing. So then we get another call from the library people and the, the in the night, the same group of thugs had broken the glass front door to the library and spray painted and vandalized. I don't know who thinks it's okay to vandalize a public library, but I want everybody to understand the level, <laughs> the kind of people we are dealing with here. Okay, they think it's perfectly fine to vandalize a library, which could not be a more central institution to a functioning democracy. And they went ahead and they did that. So great. All right, we're still coming. We're not gonna we're not backing down from these people. We are I want them to hear this. We are never backing down. I don't care what you do to us. We will never stop fighting for women and girls. This has been my life. I'm not gonna stop doing it. So anyway, fine, we're gonna do it. So we all get in our transportation, we make our way over to the library. And about three blocks ahead, they stopped us. They, we got a, a text or a call from the security people and they wanted to come and talk to us. And they said that the situation has absolutely escalated. They had a very hard time getting their staff into the library um, without them being assaulted. There was a mob of these, you know, Trantifa, Antifa people outside. They're circling the building, basically howling for blood. They had shut down the library to the public. The only reason the library was open was for our event, but they wanted us to know that there are just regular civilians coming and going. There's moms with children up above the library. There's um, public housing. So it's for seniors. So there's old people living in this building. And right next door attached to it somehow is like a cafe where people are just hanging out. And we all took the decision to not proceed into the building because they were very clear they could not keep anybody in that building safe. If we went ahead in, it was just gonna be a mob. And we really didn't wanna hurt the old people the women with baby carriages, the people just hanging out reading the paper. They did not sign up to do this kind of direct confrontation. We did. So we had one last go around in the van about, this looks really scary. Um, they promised us there were police at the library already, that they had the police were going to be circling, but they decided instead that they were going to be more of them and they were going to be stationary because they could see trouble was brewing. Um, but we just felt like it was putting other people at way too much risk that they had not. I'm not using civilians as human shields. So we said we were not coming to a library Well, we'll cancel that part of it. But we are going to go ahead with our event. We're just going to do it on the street here. So if they want to come for us, we're here on the street giving our speeches. So we, we did. We got out of the van and we walked about a block and then we set up shop. So, Melinda, you can see what happened next. Yeah, we we got about a block from the library. We can kind of hear off in the distance that they they were at the library uh, menacing people. We saw later uh, the pictures. We were only a block away, but we didn't see exactly what they were doing. But they were throwing uh, pies in women's faces. <clears throat> One woman got like the A anarchy symbol spray painted on the uh, spray painted on the back of her jacket. Um, but we, you know, so we got out got out quickly of our van. We walked about a block. We had our banner um, that says woman equal adult human female. Um, Kara came out and started speaking. And, and basically our idea was not to live stream this, but we did want to uh, record it and send it in pieces so that we could kind of up, we could upload the, the data to like the WDI USA website um, and Twitter. Um, she started talking, she introduced you, Lier, and um, it was sort of just about halfway through your uh, talk on male violence. 
that this rowdy group of, um, I, I want to be clear that it was men and women, although as far as I could experience, as far as I can remember, it was the males doing the actual violence and the women chanting and egging them on. But um, this group of about 30 people, um, almost all with their faces covered, um, started yelling and moving in towards us. Um, you know, they were chanting, they were, I, I don't even remember, and I don't typically like to call, to to repeat you know, the nonsense that they yell at us. Um, I mean, you know, it's all the same, same stuff, but, you know, mostly that turfs out of Portland um, thing. And they're, so they, they they're coming Portland. towards us. Yeah. Portland is there. So it's absolutely theirs. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that actually came out when, when in a more close up way, when we were getting hit, I'll, tell, I'll mention that in a minute. We, um, they, they, they were, they were never slow, but they were slower as they were approaching. And then they, and then they started throwing cans at us. Um, um, and then a few of us approached, the few of them approached quickly, started throwing things like leaves at us. And then the part that I think I for speak for myself, I was wholly unprepared for um, was being rushed and have some kind of uh, can clip my face and then a bunch of spray in my face. As I was looking over to the side, I could see that somebody had a pump sprayer, like a giant canister sprayer, and was spraying something in people's eyes. That might have been what hit me. I might have had something else hit me in the face. It all went very quickly. But I just felt a spray in my face, and it was all wet. And then and then, because I was filming them coming, somebody immediately grabbed my phone and smashed it. At that point, we were already calling 911, the women who still had phones left. And then they really swarmed us. They they pepper sprayed um, several of us. They started attacking. And, and the first thing they did, just like in the old school, um, you know, kind of how the racists would disrupt the protesters um, um, in the in the South fighting Jim Crow, um, they did start grabbing all the cameras. Uh, I think at least five women lost their uh, phones in that incident. Um, we ran, you know, or some of us did. Some people held steady. Some people ran. I mean, I'm not saying ran, ran, ran away, but I know I, you know, moved, you know, 10, 15 feet away just to, to, cause I suddenly was feeling that searing pain in my eyes. And I was like, you know, it was kind of instinctual to get away from, get away from the, the violence. We, um, you know, other people say it's oh, it's instinctual to fight pack, and I don't know what instincts they have. My instinct is to get away from the source of pain, and so um, you, you know, even though I wanted to kind of hold firm and and stand there nobly with our banner, I just I was in too much pain. I ran away, and a few other women kind of retreated, and um, they followed us. They pursued us. They pursued us fifteen feet away after they've already gotten us with this horrible chemical irritant. Um, they they then proceeded um, to knock women on the ground and start beating us. And I was with you, Lear, and I just, it was to me horrifying that you were down on the ground, just sick with pain, with that searing um, pain. And we were blinded. I mean, I, I, I couldn't keep my eyes open. It was blinding. Um, and they just kept kicking you and hitting you. And one of the things the guy who was hitting you the most said is, um, Portland is the only place we have left and you're trying to take Portland from us. And I'm like, <laughs> it's such an opposite of reality. It has nothing to do with what was going on. No, we're so, we're like 11 women holding a sign. That's what we're doing. We're not taking anything. We're not doing anything. You guys are the ones attacking us, but it was such Darbo in real time. 
And it struck me that he sort of believes that, right? Mm -hmm. Like he sort of believes while he's kicking you that he's being attacked. I, I don't, that, it's very strange, but that's the kind of, that's, that's what I read when I was, uh, you know, being attacked by this guy. It was really, really, to me, very scary. I don't think, um, I, we talk a lot. I've been to a million demonstrations and I've been to a lot of our NVDAs and, you know, been clipped by the pies and stuff. We talk a lot about how to hold yourself uh, um, under pressure. I don't think I did a particularly good job that day because I'm just not. The searing pain was unexpected for me and it did. It threw me into a bit of a, a state of panic because I, I was really not expecting these people brought a canister of beds of bear spray to a library. So they didn't know that we weren't going to be going into the library. I, What were they planning to do? Were they planning to spray the room? Were they planning to bring it into the library and get everybody who was in there? I mean, why would they have such a weapon to go to a library event? It was um, really, really yeah, tough. If they had actually done that in the library, which clearly they intended to do, I don't know how long it would have been until that building was usable again. And I yeah. say this because um, after this was all over and we went back to the rental house and I, all of us took showers, we changed our clothes because the pepper spray, whatever that was, was horrendous, right? So we tried to get it off ourselves as much as possible. I changed my clothes, all of that. And then it's a six hour drive from Portland back to where I live. The car that I was in for that six hours for a week after that, every time anybody got in that car, we would start coughing. That's how like drenched we were in this stuff. That's how powerful yeah. whatever that chemical was. If they had opened that in a library, I just cannot imagine. It, this is just a war crime. I mean, why, yeah, why would you do horrible. this to people? And it was the pain was horrendous. It was, it was I just really it was bad. horrendous. I was yeah. practically vomiting from the pain. You can see that video where you and I are in the bathroom, Melinda. And we're like gagging into the sink. It was, yeah. it was nothing I've ever experienced. Yeah, it was bad. So before we go any further, I want to I want to mention. Uh, you said he he feels he's right, and something that's been very important to my analysis is something Robert J. Lipton wrote about, which is before you can commit any mass atrocity at all, or really any atrocity, you have to have what he called a claim to virtue. You have to convince yourself and hopefully others, that what you're doing is not an atrocity, but instead you're doing a good thing. And it's quite a sacrifice on your part. Somebody's got to do it, but I'll step up. And and that's <clears throat> that's the claim to virtue that these men have as they beat women, is that they are, in fact, the real victims. And it's simply a claim to virtue. I don't, I, I want to, I want to talk about the history of men beating women who stand up for women's rights. But before we go there, there's a couple more things I want I would like for you to bring out about this, if you don't mind. One of them is that not only did they beat you, but they beat us, they beat bystanders. They did. Yeah, they were absolutely innocent people trying to get in or out of a library that they hurt. And also right around where we were on that street corner, I didn't see this because I was on the ground with my eyes sealed shut by whatever that chemical was. I saw nothing. Um, but what I heard, the the women who you know were there with us said that there was a, an old lady who was just walking up the street from the ATM getting cash for the week, and they attacked her. They knocked her over. This is an old woman, like 75 years old. They just threw her on the ground, and they threw stuff at her, and they hit her. So our women surrounded her and picked her up and tried to get her to safety, and there just happened to be a 
a man and a woman, a couple coming out of their house to hear what, try to find out what this all this commotion was outside in the street. And so they turned to this, this nice couple and they said, can we, we need to get her to safety. Can we come inside? And they were very, very kind. And they said, yes, come on in, please. And they took them in. So they had, you know, a few minutes of safety while they checked this poor woman over and made sure she was okay and tried to figure out how to get her home safely. Um, I, I don't know what would have happened if that nice couple hadn't been there. Um, this is an old woman. She could have broken her hip. Like we know this is like a major cause of death for old people. Yeah. Knock old people down. Like what is wrong with these guys? Yeah. It's horrifying. So then you, you and, go yeah. ahead. I just wanted to say, and the, there was at least, I don't know if there were more, but there was at least one guy who was a Whole Foods employee who was trying okay. to stop it. And um, I did notice, and I'm pretty tall and he was around my height. So he's, you know, pretty close to six feet tall. They, they did surround him, but interestingly, they didn't start taking swings at this guy, right? They're willing to knock over an old lady who who may or may not have anything to do with us in their view but this guy who's actively trying to stop it um they tried to use persuasion you know which i thought was again that that what is that that you just said derek that that call to virtue claim they to just virtue. He, yes claim to virtue that they tried to say do you know who these people are and and the passerby guy was like i don't care who they are i don't want any to see any you know anybody get hurt that's the moment when i you and i i grabbed you I know you wanted to stay out there, Lear, but I just couldn't stand how much this guy was hitting you. And I dragged, you know, dragged you over to the uh, to, to the Whole Foods with somebody else so we could just get our faces around. I, I honestly felt, I know it's not rational, but I felt like I was going to die if I didn't wash that stuff out of my eyes. I felt like it was just going to keep getting worse and worse. I mean, I couldn't see intermittently and it just... It, it it felt like I, I needed to do something. So at least he distracted, at least this passerby Whole Foods guy distracted the the uh, Antifa guys long enough that a few of us were able to go start washing our faces and, and stuff. But um, well, the other yeah. thing about attacking people's eyes like that is you know, like the, the pain, A, is extraordinary. But B, we didn't know what they had squirted in our eyes. No, I mean, it was, yeah. that's the level of terror too. We're like, I've got no idea what has just been done to me. Am I going to be yeah. blind forever? Like, is this right. the tradition of men throwing they throw acid, acid on, on women? Them. Like this could yeah. be a thing that they are now doing. I don't know. Certainly other men do you it. Don't have, all you know is that the pain is so bad. You're, you're practically vomiting on the ground. You can't stand up. It hurts so bad. And I was yeah. just don't know. And that, that terror is, it's, it's horrible. Like it was, I mean, honestly, we were tortured there, Melinda. Absolutely, no, that is terror. It was just torture. It was horrible. Yeah, these are just 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 straight up sadists, and I don't know why they have have been given any quarter on the left. No, yeah. they've not been given. It's 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 not only they're given quarter; they're given sucker. Yeah, they're given everything they want. They're they're. And yeah. then wait, and then we get told there's no such thing as Antifa, right? You've got that's that little bit of Darvo in there, just like you, they just got to make it that well, little so twist. Right wing phantom, the right wing. Yeah, so that's what, made it up all week. That's what I've been hearing. Oh, this isn't. I don't say this. It's just a right wing conspiracy. I'm like these people have assaulted me multiple times. They're quite yeah. real. They have websites. They have trainings. They have potlucks. They're real. I know who they are. Like they're. It's just nuts that we're not allowed. To, we have to keep pretending that this isn't real. So, so I want to. Yeah, wanna, go ahead. So, two things. Can you? Can you tell the emergency room story, but specifically the 
uh, the doctor. No, the um, oh, that was so funny. The receptionist. Okay, yeah. And then after that, I want to go to a larger discussion of uh, this happening. I mean, other incidents of this around the world. Sure. And then I've got other questions after that. Well, Melinda, you were the one who approached the emergency room desk, so you should tell that story because that was funny. Yeah, we had just like the you know the the middle aged nurse, you know, who's just the ER nurse and they have seen it all. Right. You know, and we go up and we, she asks us what our problem is. And we said, we got, um, we got attacked, you know, we were hit, but we're mostly, you know, concerned about this uh, pepper spray in our eyes. Some, uh, you know, we got, we got attacked down on the streets of Portland and out on the street. And she just said, sort of in this blase way, well, welcome to Portland. And it just seemed like they, I I want to say I also when I went into the Whole Foods there was this really sweet young security guy who was you know he looked pretty appalled but weirdly not surprised you know like if somebody walked into my local store four ladies walked in with pepper sprayed eyes I think they'd be like oh my god what happened but this guy was like hey you know if you rub your face if I if you um, fan your face like this it's going to help you know and he was fanning my face and I thought Oh my God! Has everybody in the streets of Portland learned how to render aid? At, you know, when the Antifa guys start attacking people, it's just it was it was very strange experience all the way around. The expectation of the street violence, and so when she she was not being unsympathetic in the ER, but she definitely was like, "Yeah, another day in Portland. Stuff happens, right?" You know, it just goes very on close all to the a time. failed state up there. It really is. It really feels like that. It really feels like that. Yeah. Well, also to get the tires fixed. I mean, this just shows how bad it is. Um, the the AAA guy told us it was going to take five days at a garage to get tires. <laughs> I live in a little tiny town of 8,000 people. I can get a tire fixed in two hours. I was like, yeah. five days? Like, what world are... What, this what? is not... What is this where It's at that level yeah. of collapse economically. Yeah. There's a garage yeah. somewhere that can fix a tire in a few hours. Right. Well, Apparently Chris, not. Chris Hedges increasingly talks about the United States or talks about the United States increasingly become a third world nation. That's you're seeing it. That's here we are. Which includes violence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um so but but what you experienced was um unfortunately not unique. Well, two things. One is can you tell a brief version of the Dana Rivers story mm -hmm. that happened to you? And then after that, can you talk about some of the other contemporary accounts of men doing this to women all over the world? And then after that, move to the history of men assaulting women when women attempt to have their own bathroom, be in sports, etc. cetera. Sure. So Dana Rivers is a man who thinks he's a woman. And he murdered a lesbian couple, a biracial lesbian couple, and their teenage son brutally. And so brutally that the judge commented it was the worst he'd ever seen. Um, and then he set their house on fire and tried to get away with it, but he was caught. And he killed their dog. And he, Oh, and he killed the dog. So total psycho. Um, and then he was held in a women's jail waiting trial, and he was found guilty. He was sentenced. And of course, this being California, he was sent to the women's prison immediately. So that's where he is. This just horrendous level of violence against women so last january during and and, and the women in prison he's harassing them there yeah yeah, yeah no it's not that we're sure we have accounts we do of... yes the women have talked about how horrible he is he's just a pervert essentially 
sorry, we, we need to be able to say that word again. Okay. He's a sexual predator. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Is, that's what yeah. he is. Um, and a very, very uh, violent, sadistic, you know, unhinged one. He's, he's not just voyeuring. He's doing way more than he's murdered. Um, anyway, so last, when his sentencing, his trial was going on, uh, we did another one of these nonviolent actions in Oakland on the, the steps of the courthouse. So we had our banners and we had our speeches and Melinda read a very, was, she, she did an incredible amount of research and she read a list of all the people who have been murdered by men who are pretending to be women. Um, and it was a long list and it was very, very sobering. Um, anyway, we could see that Antifa was there and they were sort of circling the block, but they couldn't really do anything to us because it's the courthouse. And so there's sheriffs and police coming and going constantly in and out the doors and they're, and they're, they're cowards, essentially. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do anything while there's law enforcement in front of them. So we just, we went down to the street. Well, they talk we, about being anti-fascist, but you notice they never take on Exxon Mobile. They, they don't take, take on the <laughs> They're taking on a bunch they of They don't even take on the cops, right? No, yeah. Us, they were after us. So we right, held our banners exactly. up. We exactly. went down to the main street at the bottom and we held our banners that said no men in women's prisons. And we had a lot of support. Pretty much every car that drove by honked and waved. And I do want to point out that Oakland is a majority black city and it's, you know, way disproportionate women of color in the prison system. And they know who, who is, you know, who's going to be the women who have to deal with these horrible men. It's their wives and their sisters and their girlfriends and their daughters who are in the prisons, who are having to share their cells with men who are rapists. So all the men who drove by honked and waved. Um, yeah. So some we got nice some women support. too, yeah. yeah, and some women too, yeah. But I, I just remember the men's faces were just like absolutely yes. Um, yeah. so it's heartening, you know. The normies really are with us. So then we crossed the street. There's a little park, and we wanted to do more kind of silent vigil there. And of course, we were far enough away from the building that they attacked us. So we saw them coming, and we did our nonviolent thing. And they, you know, the usual. They ran us over with a bicycle. They hit us with their umbrellas. They smacked shit into our heads. Um, and very interesting. You can watch this video if anyone's interested in this. There was a woman there who stopped to talk to us because she had things to say about it. We were dialoguing with her a little bit. She had worked in the prison system herself at some point. She was very concerned about poor Dana Rivers and what violence he might experience in the men's prison and why he needed to be in the women's prison. And then this mob of men descends upon us and does violence to us, you know, run us over, hit us with stuff, rip our banners out of our hands, all of this in an instant, it's over. You know, they've done all this. And this woman is just like, what is going on? What happened? What did they do? They stole your banner. I'm not doing this. What's going on? You have first amendment rights. She was so mad. Yes. At us. Yeah. She peaked in an instant is the point. And that's how yeah. non-direct action works. That's exactly yeah. what you're aiming to do is to sh make the violence visible. We made it visible by standing there in our dignified silence, you know, making a very, very simple statement about the situation that anybody could understand. And look what happened. A group of horrible men came and tried to hurt us and then stole our stuff and ran away. And she saw it in living color and was horrified, completely horrified and had to change her mind about some things. So uh, I really, I highly recommend just, but we couldn't have paid her like to be a better, like straight man on the side there because it completely flipped when she saw what they did to us. So, and then we're like, yeah, these are the men who want to get into our prisons. And this is why we try to have women in all these spaces because we don't want to be hurt like this. Um, anyway, it was, the whole thing was, it went very beautifully. It was hard. It's very hard to stand there and 
get hit. Like it, nobody enjoys that moment. I'm, we're not in this for the fun. We're in this because it's dead serious. Um, but it does work. And, and around the globe, people have used this again, very successfully, but well, you have to hold to the principles. And think about the, how much difference those famous lunch counter pictures. Yes. Made. The pictures. Yes. We still use those pictures. They're very moving pictures. Those four, they're teenagers. Those four young men who did that. Yeah. I, I've been having so many discussions. I just want to say as somebody who, I mean, you and I have like uh, some different activist backgrounds, but, um, but, you know, again, been around doing this stuff for 40 years. And um, I don't think I knew all of this. I know I didn't know all of the reasons for um, why we do what we do. Um, but I do know that myself and Henry, my partner, we learned long ago because it kind of used to just be in the ether that you, you, you know, you don't go out and act like a jackass, basically. Like, you know, you want to get your message across, you know, you want to hold your signs and, you know, be calm. And that doesn't mean don't participate in chants and all of that. And different actions have different tactics. If you have a million people in the street, of course you want to be chanting. So I, I, I just, I don't want to, I, I'm not, I don't want to be too harsh here. But we decided the first action that we went out to in Port Townsend, which was not explicitly an NVDA, that the one thing we didn't want to do was just go head to head with these guys and fight with them. Um, and it turns out, you know, then that 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 it's kind of the only justifiable way to approach them. They are so violent and so crazy that that you know, fighting with them isn't going to, it's not going to yield us anything. It's not going it, to, it, if what we're out, we're, you know, we're never out there to convince the people who are so passionate about the need for men to be in women's prisons and toilets um, that they're going to come out and, and fight with us. We're not going to convince them of anything. You know, what we might, who we might convince is are the people on the street or if there is any TV coverage or videos or, you know, tweet, tweets about it. Um, and in that case, what we don't want to do, uh, I just don't see anybody being convinced of anything if it's one screening, screaming lunatic versus another screaming lunatic. I'm, this is me personally talking, you know, because we long before we even were part of doing NVDAs, um, that was just our approach. We we decided, you know, we're going to go, we're going to hold the sign. If somebody wants to on the side have a peaceful conversation with us, we are willing to do that because we're certainly willing to you know, change hearts and minds. Um, but it it's, it's to me, I mean, it's just the only, it's the best posture that we can have no matter what. And I say this, I'd like to be really clear. I'm not religious and I'm not a pacifist. I'm just a strategist. And I want us to do in this fight, uh, you know, to win back the rights of women and girls. I think we need to be as absolutely smart as we can be about it. So go ahead. Well, I think that there are a lot of misunderstandings about this technique. Um, there are people who think, and this is a myth, but they think that the point is to convince the people who are screaming at you not to scream at you or to hit you. And that is not how the technique works at all. You're not trying to convert those people in the moment. That's not possible yeah. generally. I mean, it's rare. I mean, I'm not saying it right. doesn't happen, but it's not going to happen. I mean, you can just count that it's not going to happen. No, no. but the, the, you, what you are trying to do is um, there's you know four main goals, and the first is that it creates much more solidarity in the group that is um, you know under assault, that is under under you know that's the the bottom group in whatever hierarchy. So the it, it creates in women in this case, or anybody who supports us, 
Um, so that's number one is, is creating that greater sense of solidarity. We're in this together and we can fight back. Number two is it drives a wedge between just the average people who have not been paying attention particularly and whatever the regime is. Um, and we see those we see those photos of um, of men shooting fire hoses at little kids and at the Children's Crusade. Yeah. And that's what happened. That everybody around the world saw that and went, "Wow, I didn't realize it was this bad. This is horrendous. This cannot go continue. Yeah. We're, not, we're not doing this anymore." And indeed, they won. They won the day. Those kids got it done. Um, so that's the second thing. The third thing is that there are supporters of the regime who also can be turned against the regime by seeing um, nonviolent direct action. So it drives a wedge between that group as well and the you know the leaders, whoever they are. In this case, it would be you know the transgender ideologues. And then the fourth thing, finally, is that it really does show to the to everybody that no amount of violent oppression can actually stop us. That we are going to continue. That we have the courage and we have the the stubbornness of of will. That that we're we're not going to be stopped and the truth. in this. So yeah, we have truth and justice on our side. Um, and so those four things are what you're after. You're not trying to change <laughs> the minds of the people who are about to you know, spray pepper in your no. eyes. That's not no, going to happen. No, that's um, not going to happen. That's yeah. not going to happen. So there, I mean, the people who think that that's how it works are just wrong. It's, you're not showing yourself that you're, you know, by some kind of like spiritual grace that you're somehow going to affect them. That's not it. There is a, no. te- there's sub technique to NVDA that's called fraternizing. And that is indeed when you try to dialogue with people. Um, and very particularly, it's generally used with, when you are facing down like a military or, you know, some kind of police force. So in cases of NBDA where they've used the technique very successfully to stop like a military coup or to displace a dictator like, you know, Ferdinand Marcos in the Philippines. Um, and you can be on these in these standoffs for days, you know, surrounded by armed troops and tanks and absolutely terrifying situations. And you're just civilians. Um, and in, in those situations, it can be very, very helpful to what they call fraternize, to talk to the people with the guns and what you're trying to remind them of is, is your humanity that actually we're your parents, <laughs> actually we're your siblings, you know, actually yes. we're the same. You, you don't have anything in common with the rulers of this regime. Frankly, they're exploiting you too. Um, we are right. the people that you came from. We know who joins the military around the world. You know, it's generally very poor to working class young men without many, much of a future, yes. 18 years old. And they are absolutely reachable by their parents and by their whoever, you know, it's, so that's what happened. You know, if you look into the, the, how the, the citizens brought down Marcos, that's what they did. It was a three day standoff in the, the streets of Manila and they just fraternized the whole time. And they, the priests and the nuns played a role. It's very moving that footage to this day. I find it very moving and they did it. They got it done when they were given orders to fire. They couldn't do it. They were not one of those kids was able to open fire on the civilians. So it worked. And so that's a very specific kind where you are attempting to change their minds. But that's generally when there's guns pointed at you and you want to get through to the people with the guns. Like, please don't do this. You don't have to. And it can work. There's plenty of, uh, you know, plenty of cases, you know, in the last 50 to 100 years where very successfully people have done that. Um, So anyway, that's that's that. But we're generally not trying to reach those people. We're trying to reach the general public whether they support the regime or don't support the regime, you can drive an enormous wedge between them by doing this technique successfully. And there's so much research about how powerful this technique is, but but holding to nonviolent discipline is absolutely the fulcrum. Like we can be the lever, but that's the fulcrum. And without it, we can't move anything. Yeah, and I know we were gonna move on to some examples. I just, yeah. I wanna just swing out for a minute because I said something about the behaviors of some people. I, I, I just, um, 
I just want to make it really clear if you can't tell already by kind of what an agitated person I am. I'm really angry too, right? Like when I, when I demean, you know, when I say things about, you know, people who are out wanting to scream, like I, I really get wanting to scream at these guys. So I, I just, like, I just would be clear that I don't think any of us who are involved in these actions are holding ourselves above other people as though we don't get just as angry and just as, you know, we do. We're just working to put that aside in this moment. As my friends know, I scream at them so that I don't have to go out and scream at the people I'm, you know, that I'm struggling against on the streets. Like I'd rather we just keep our screaming internal. And then when we're out, we show the world, you know, the, the better part of our nature and the, you know, the truth that we have on our side. Yeah. Just again, we're trying to make the violence visible because the violence is there, you know, in any social hierarchy, you know, that's based on oppression and you know all the bad things that we're all supposed to be against it's it's always there's always violence in the background that keeps the entire system in place so we're not yep. creating the violence we're just showing no. it making it show itself you know we add this confrontation and then the violence has to come you, they uh, what yeah confrontation i mean for god's sake yeah, no just using our first amendment rights and, and not just that. Corner. also and you're holding a banner that says woman equals adult okay. human female yeah. you're not saying a ban you're not holding a banner that says something go horrible go beat up somebody or go yeah. you know kill these people or you know hate speech hate with nothing like literally none of that and this is a provocation to these men so to your point about the kinds of things men have done yeah when the first women's public bathrooms opened in london the men came there was a mob a, a furious mob of men came and they burned the buildings down they were so angry that women might have enough freedom to actually move into the public realm and participate in civic life. It, they wouldn't have it. They're like, we're not letting women not be slaves. Like we're not, we're not having it. They're our property. They're not allowed to have a public life. And they burned the buildings down, um, you know, without a capacity to deal with our biological needs. You can't have that public life. And men were allowed to urinate in alleyways and women are not. It's not safe for women to do it. So they, yes, we need bathrooms. And that was something women fought for for decades to have public restrooms. Um, and when they got them built, the men built, burned them down. So I, this is what we're up against again. We are, this is now being taken away from us. And there are women and girls in India. Well, yeah. So, and you talk to anybody at UNICEF, anybody who yep. works in development, they will tell you the number one reason girls drop out of school. Number one reason is lack of safe toileting facilities, because you know what men do? They wait in the bushes and they rape the girls when they try to go out to the bathroom and they rape the female teachers too. So yes. at a certain age, the girls are told they're not allowed to go to school anymore because their parents are terrified for them. Yeah. And I know this will be a conversation for a different day, but it I, it never ceases to amaze me that the same people I see online who are going to post um, wonderful, wonderful campaigns about period poverty, making sure that girls in Africa have period products and so that they can go to school and making sure that girls in India have bathrooms so that they aren't raped. These very same people are are completely willing to um, to take that away from girls in the United States. I, we see so many, I've already seen so many um, anecdotal reports of girls um, waiting to pee until they get home and not, I mean, goodness knows they don't want to go in and, you know, change a tampon or something like that with, with guys in the bathroom. Like somehow this 
reversal has happened now um, on the, in the U.S. left and among even among people who call themselves feminists, wherein they they are they can see it clearly, you know, in other countries. But when it's happening here, it's like there. Then women's rights are relegated to this higher good, and the higher good being basically men should get to do whatever they want. And um, I, it's I I wish I could connect that for people, and I think we are connecting it for people. But it it uh, it's it's hard for me. It's hard to, for me to connect those dots because I don't see how they got to that disconnect. That it's just very strange for me. So we have about probably four minutes left. And a couple things. One is, can you quickly do men's resistance to sports? Second, how this sort of behavior is happening all over, like with yeah, yeah, Posey yeah. Parker, um, and then and then end with whatever you want to end with. There's a very famous photograph of the woman, I don't remember her name, who ran the Boston Marathon. She was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. And uh, you can you can look up this photo online. There, there were men who physically attacked her. For trying to run in the marathon, um, it is it's again just makes it so stark. It's like yeah. all you do is run a race, and you're not allowed. You know, you're not allowed to encroach on on men's territory, um, and and the men's territory is the whole world. You know, you're only allowed to have this one little tiny realm where you take care of men and children, and that's it. Um, and women, you know, have tried throughout the history of patriarchy to break through that, and this is what you have coming if you break through it. Uh, the, it will get worse before it gets better. Every woman who leaves a batterer knows it gets worse before it gets better. Um, so there's that. And then around the world, yes, uh, we have many, many examples from every country of men behaving exactly this way in extremely scary and violent ways toward women who are standing up against them and saying no to this uh, particular group. Um, it's happened in England repeatedly. It's happened in Germany, in France, in Spain, just everywhere, Australia, New Zealand. Um, Posey Parker is from England and she went to New Zealand to give some of her, uh, she does rallies where any woman is allowed to talk. And it was a literal mob of, I would say a thousand people. And she was nearly trampled to death by this mob. Um, it was horrendous. And the, they also poured stuff all over her. They threw, you know, tomato juice and, you know, the usual kind of crap on her yeah. and she's um, indomitable. You know, she refuses to give up. So she's definitely somebody to follow. She's a wonderful fighting spirit. So, um, but anyway, yes, many, many of us have been through this around the world and it's the same. It's, they do the same things to us. How do, how, how does anybody not see that this is, I'm, I'm always a big believer in action speaking louder than words. And I don't understand how there's anybody who doesn't see that when you strip away all the rationale, this is men beating women. I don't understand how anybody doesn't see that in the context of a patriarchy of thousands of years of men beating women. Well, this is precisely why we are committed to doing nonviolent direct action is because it strips all that away and just makes it really obvious. Here is a group of 30 men who are willing to spray pepper spray in women's eyes and punch us and beat us on the ground. It really couldn't right. be any clearer. So that's right. why we're doing it. Yeah. So last question. Um, what do you want uh, women and men who listen to this, what do you want them to do? Well, right away, you can join Women's Declaration International, WDI, and there's a USA branch, WDI USA, and Melinda is here as a representative of them. And I'm with WOLF, which is the Women's Liberation Front, and we're the two main groups in the United States that are trying to fight this. And we have a lot of great lawsuits. We have a lot of great briefs that we've written for the court. 
We've been quoted. Some of our briefs have been quoted by judges. We are getting somewhere. Uh, it's worth looking yep. up our websites to see what we're doing. We also are happy to bring our training anywhere that anybody wants it. Please be in touch with us. Um, we can explain yep. all of this to you in great detail. Encourage you to try it where you live. Um, so please yes. just get involved because this is really one of the major issues of our time. And I guarantee you in 20, 30 years, people are going to look back on this in horror. They're going to say they weren't really doing this. There's no them. question. They're going to say, yes, they were. They were They were destroying their puberties. They were destroying their reproductive organs. They were destroying their sexual organs such that we now have a population of adults that will never have sex and never have children and didn't get a choice about that because they were 10 years old when it started. This is happening to children. We are not right-wing conspiracy theorists. I have met these people. <laughs> I know their parents. Yeah. It's, it's real. Yeah. It's very real yeah. and it is terrifying and it, we need to stand up and be counted. Yep. We talk about uh, quite a bit about things like reigniting the women's movement. So at, um, if anybody would like to see what we talk about when we say women's <clears throat> sex-based rights, there we WDI USA, W Women's Declaration International has a declaration on women's sex-based rights that anybody can go to the website, read it through, and we'd appreciate your signature on it to become a signatory. Well, thank you so much for all of that. And uh, thank you for your work in the world. And I would like to thank listeners for listening. My guests today have been Lear Keith and Melinda Hughes. This is Derek Jensen for Resistance Radio on the Progressive Radio Network. Thank <laughs> you.